0: I'd ask you to open your Bibles with me this morning to the sixth chapter of the New Testament book of Ephesians, and this morning is really our season finale. I don't know if, if you have a favorite TV show that you have watched, and you get to the end of the season, and you know this is the season finale. You've been watching every week. Here, we've been watching every week at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings, week after week, after week, and now we get to that episode that, that we know that the show is going to come to an end for the moment, and, and it's just, just a show that we love, and so we're glued to our seats in order, though, to get the full impact of the season finale that we're looking at this morning. It's going to be important for us to have a recap of what's been going on this season in this show called Ephesians, Okay. So Paul started out writing this letter to the church in Ephesus, and this church he had planted a long time ago, but the church is very pagan. Let me rephrase that. All of the members of the church are former pagans, now Christians, but they live in a very pagan society. And so Paul is writing to them to encourage them. He is telling them how to be a strong church how to interact with others, and he's reminding them that the Christian life should look different than the world around you. They're not pagans anymore. He says, you're not pagans anymore. You are Christians. And now we're in this final portion, this final chapter, the last episode of this show, and Paul is going to bring it all together before we see this cliffhanger and we have to wait till next season. Now, one thing about your favorite show, let's say your favorite show was an action show, and what they like to do is they like to take your hero and put him in a position in this season finale to where it seems like he's he's not going to make it, right? He's going to die. This thing is over with. And in the back of your mind though, you know they're not gonna kill him off, right? So it kinda of changes the way that you watch the show a bit because see, if they were to kill him off, you wouldn't have a season. You wouldn't have a season two or, or five or, or 10. So you don't know how this episode is going to end, but what you do know is that the hero of your show that you're watching is going to be victorious. He's going to be there for the very next, the, like, uh, episode one of season three that's going to come out in the spring. Paul, today, he is bringing together everything that he has taught us and, and everything that he has shown us through these text messages that we've been looking at, and, and he's telling us that all of this is really important. Everything that you've learned is important. Because as readers, and as a church, you are about to go to war. That's the theme of this episode. That's what it all comes down to. Paul has been teaching all of these lessons to us because you're going to war. He wants to make sure that you're prepared. That's going to bring us to our main text this morning. We are in Ephesians chapter six. I am starting in verse number 10. Paul writes this, a final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Now, this is not the first time that Paul has ended a season by telling his audience a final word. He has something that he wants to get across. The the season ended for for Corinth. We see this in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Paul, he wrote something that was very, very similar. He writes this, be on guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, and be strong. Paul is about to leave. He's leaving his mark on this church in Ephesus, and he's about to, to be moving on to, to write letters to other churches but before he but before he goes but before he goes he is going to tell his audience to be strong and to stand firm. Now it's different when you show up when you show up to battle and your general and your lieutenant are there on the battlefield with you. It's different when you show up to play that football game that that you've got a part in, you've got got some super awesome plays that are going to come your way. It's different when you show up and your coach is there. It's different when you show up to small group and your small group leader is there. But Paul is saying, Every one of you are soldiers, and everyone needs to be ready. Everyone needs to be on guard. We need to stand strong, and everyone needs to be courageous because your coach and your general are not always going to be there with you. Paul is developing this church and leaders, and he knows what's coming, And he knows that strength is so important to this war that they're about to go into. And standing firm is so important. I want you to see what Paul writes to his apprentice Timothy in 2 Timothy. I'm in chapter number two. Paul writes this. He says, Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. Let me show you something. And this is so Con- contradictory to what some very weak Christians in our world think there is this unfortunate mentality that some Christians have that says i'm a, i'm a christian and and i'm going to come alongside christ and and Christ is there and he is always with me so I can kind of slack off a little bit because Jesus is going to pull this weight. He's going to be the leader of this relationship. And that's not what Paul is saying. He says, Jesus Christ is your strength. Yes, without him you are nothing, but you are not here to be a tag-along to Jesus. It's not your job. Your job is to be a soldier and a warrior. Paul has already told us that we're heading into battle. And I want you to write this down. This is point number one in your notes this morning. For those of you who may be joining us for the first time, on the back of your bulletin, there are some fill-in-the-blanks. And I'm going to give those to you. And those answers will be up on the big screen behind me as well. Point number one in your notes this morning is this. You are not prepared to fight or recognize the spiritual battle you are fighting. I'm just gonna be straight up with you. You're not prepared. We are not prepared to fight this fight yet. And sometimes we can say, we're not even prepared to recognize this spiritual battle that we are are fighting. Come back with me to Ephesians six, I'm in verse number 11, it's time to get ready. Paul writes this, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. There's so many important points right here in this verse. Paul's saying it's time to get ready for battle. It's time to get ready to go to war. And you're going to be very foolish and drastically unprepared if you walk out into this war in your street clothes. You just think, I'm gonna, I'm good. I'm just gonna go out there. No, no, no. Paul says that you have to put on all of the armor of God because that's what it's going to take for you to stand firm. If you're going to just go outside and think that you're going to fight this battle, you are going to be taken down very quickly. Because this enemy has a lot of weapons. He's got bombs he's going to throw at you. He's got grenades he's going to throw. There's going to be landmines, pitfalls, booby traps, snares, temptations. These are the weapons of mass destruction that the enemy uses all the time. And he is very, very good at it. He's got a lot of practice using these weapons. We have to put on the right armor for this war. You ask any wartime general, and they will tell you that one of the most important things, one of the most important aspects about preparing to go to war is you need to know your enemy, know who it is you're fighting. You need to know what color uniform they're wearing. That would probably be a good idea, right? You need to know maybe their history. Maybe it's a good idea to know what it is that they want out of this war. Let me tell you what, the enemy that you're fighting wants your soul. The enemy of this war doesn't fight the way that you've ever fought before. I want you to see what Peter says. I'm in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 8. Peter writes this, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking For someone to devour the Bible tells us that your enemy is great he is huge he is stronger than you are the Bible says that your enemy is is something you need to pay attention to and then it goes on Peter goes on to tell us what your enemy does He devours, he destroys, and he defeats. That's what he does. And that's what he's good at. Your enemy, in this spiritual warfare, has powers that you don't. Think about it. God's word calls your enemy great. Not as if he's... Uh, you know, great in academics or, or sports, no. But this means he is—he is big, he is massive, he is huge, and he is very, very skilled. And he is a strong, strong opponent. Every opponent in a war or a fight that you go against, every opponent has a tactic. Some countries have a very strong military that might have a strong air force, so they're really good in the air. Some countries might have a very good navy, and that's, that's one of their tactics. Some countries might have a really good ground game, and that's their strength and their tactic. Paul has already written in Ephesians chapter 4 about our enemy. I'm in Ephesians 4, verse number 14. Paul writes this, then we will no longer be like immature uh, children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like truth. Two of the devil's most successful tactics. One is confusion. Oh, confusion is a big tactic. He likes to, he likes to, to blow into your mind and to put something in there and to tell you that there's this new great idea that you have that's going to contradict whatever it is that you've learned in Sunday school. You've learned in church growing up. He wants to confuse you and tell you what you know is not truth. Write this down. This is point number two in your notes this morning, and this is so important. Satan uses weapons in this battle, and here's a few of them. Confusion, lies, pride, selfishness, secrets, chaos, addiction, and more. Satan's got weapons, and he knows how to use them. You and I, we've only been alive for a split second Compared to the amount of time that Satan has been perfecting his work with his weapons. Satan wants to confuse you. And he wants to use other people who maybe you look up to. To influence you with lies. Paul says this about your enemy. In verse number 12, Ephesians 6, 12. Oh, this is so important. Paul writes... For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Paul has to make this statement for us. Because when it comes to fighting, you and I, we've had our fights before. We know how to take a stance like this, right? You, 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 you get a good stance and, you, and you, you, know, you put up your dukes, you know how to fight. We've done that and we've fought with family and friends. Sometimes it's verbal, uh, uh, verbal weapons that we use. But Paul is describing us and he, to, to us, and he's telling us this war is so much different. You have never fought like this before. This. Is different. Paul wrote this to the church in Colossae. I'm in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Paul writes We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. Can you see how different this fight is from anything that you have ever fought? And I know you might say, "Pastor, I don't I don't really feel like I am in a spiritual battle right now." You are. You are. I promise you you are. If you try and show up to a spiritual battle with a bazooka and a switchblade, you're going to be dead in seconds. Right war, wrong weapons. You have to have the right armor and the right weapons. And let me tell you something about showing up to a spiritual fight, and especially this spiritual fight. And I'm not asking this as a question, I'm telling you this as a statement. You don't have the weapons that you need yet. You don't. You and I right now are so vulnerable to the weapons of our enemy. Being in a war, it requires strategy. It requires defense. It requires offense. It requires protecting yourself. It requires knowing what your enemy's strategy is. Most people, even Christians, have no clue. They don't know the right weapons to use in spiritual warfare. And some of you are going to say, you're going to say this. If the words of the Bible are only in a book and Satan comes after your heart and you don't have God's words in your heart, your heart is vulnerable because there's no weapon in here and Satan wins. Does that make any sense? The words in the book weren't meant to stay in the book. The words in the book were meant to be written on our hearts. That's how we fight a spiritual battle. That book is fine. And God's word is in that book. Maybe, maybe, maybe the book, the physical book, can go out and fight this battle for us, but I doubt it. No, no. A book is a physical object. You and I aren't. We're spiritual objects. We are fighting a spiritual war. Come back with me. I'm in verse number 13, Ephesians 6:13. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then, after the battle, you will still be standing firm. I sure am glad that Paul gives us that encouragement. Right? I mean, this is a big deal, but he gives us that encouragement. He says afterwards, you can still stand strong. Paul's going to give us a sneak peek at the end of the battle. But before he can give us and tell us what goes on at the end of the battle, he says you need to be able to play defense. And you need to be equipped. And you need to be armored up. I'm in verse number 14, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. We're going to stop there for just a second. Here are two very important pieces of your armor that needs to be put on before we go to battle. And Paul is using this, he's using these metaphors of armor because Everyone in this area would recognize that Roman soldiers were everywhere, and everywhere they went, they were wearing some of the very best armor around. They were pretty protected from anyone who wanted to come up and and threaten them. Yeah, they were protected. So what is it about these pieces of armor? I want you to see what Isaiah says about this. You'll see Isaiah chapter 11, verse 5 up on the screen behind me. Isaiah writes this, he will wear righteousness like a belt and truth like an undergarment. This is so important. Write this down. This is the third point in your notes this morning. And let me tell you, my goal with you taking these notes is take them home, put them up on the refrigerator and look at them all week long. Because this is important today. Point number three in your notes is this. All of your spiritual armor is based upon truth. If you are wishy-washy about truth, you are dead in the water. If you're wishy-washy, if you're like, eh, you know, uh uh-uh, that's it. The belt of truth, it requires you to have truth. See, one of the devil's schemes is to confuse you. And it's easy to confuse you when you don't have truth, when you don't recognize truth. It has to begin. Your your armor has to begin with truth. There is only one truth, and the truth is only found in Jesus Christ. One place. And I'm not joking with you when I tell you that our society is going to try and confuse you. They're going to try and tell you that the Bible is okay up into a point. Yeah, you can believe most of it that Jesus was a good person. You can you can do that and then they're going to try and tell you that that you know what, it's okay to be whoever it is that that you want to be. Whoever you want to make yourself. Whoever you want to to be whoever you want others to be, it's okay to accept the world's definition of who you are. Let me tell you something. That's not truth. Truth comes from one place, and that's the word of God. But that's the confusion that our enemy wants to use against you. That's the tactic. He wants to start out with that. He wants to start out having you question truth. He's going to say, is that really truth? Man, that book is so old. Can you really trust it? Man, that is so old. God never said that you would die if you ate from the fruit of, of, you know, knowledge here. He never said that. See the examples? It's what that's where God's going. Or that's where Satan is going. He wants to create that confusion. And when it happens, you know what you are? You're a statistic. You're just a notch on his gun. He, he's, he's going to battle you. He wants to first battle you with the truth so that he can create confusion. This is from John chapter 17. It says, make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Psalm chapter 119 reads like this. The entirety of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous judgments endures forever. I want you to know something. God's word is truth, and God's word is the only truth. Walking out into a spiritual battle without truth it's like going to a sword fight with a pool noodle it's the wrong weapon as a matter of fact it's not even a weapon it's something to be laughed at you think that the devil is going to laugh at you when you show up to spiritual battle without truth oh yeah he likes to laugh at you he does in case you're wondering if you can pick and choose what parts of the bible of god's words that you want to identify as truth you you can't the bible says the entirety of the bible god's word is truth there is not just one section that is truth. There is not just one verse that is truth. If you walk in faith and you say that I am going to believe some of it, but not all of it, you might as well not believe any of it. You can't pick and choose. This is God's word. His word is truth. I used to get this question a lot. I used to get, Things like, Pastor, what do you think about, here's one, what do you think about women pastors? Now, I'm not going to open up an entire um, sermon on this right now, but my answer always comes back to this, don't ask me, ask the Apostle Paul. What does Paul say? What does the book say? Don't come to me. See, there's a reason that rarely am I ever going to say these words from the pulpit, I believe. You're not going to hear me say, I believe. You didn't come here to hear what I believe. What you came here for is to hear what the Bible says, amen? When you're telling God that you can make your lifestyle fit into his word, when you're telling God that you're going to pick this and not that, and you're going to go with that and not this, what you're really telling God is this, you're telling him, God, I am superior to you because I know you wrote this, but God, I'm going to tell you what parts of that are truth. I don't know if any of us are superior to God. As a matter of fact, I know that we're not. Ephesians, I'm in chapter 6, verse number 15. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. These shoes that we need, we have to have. They protect our feet. I don't know if you've watched any of these shows about these nature shows. Maybe guys who are up in the snowy mountains, right? And what's one of the, the first things they say that you need? You need to protect your feet, right? Because your feet are so important. And, and, and Paul is making this very important that we protect our feet. Basketball players have a certain kind of shoes that they wear. Baseball players have a certain kind of shoes that they wear. Wrestlers have a certain kind of shoes. Ballerinas have a certain kind of shoes. If you are, a, if you are an outdoorsman, uh, may, maybe you work. Maybe you've got steel toe shoes. And that's what it is that, that you wear. Coal miners have a certain kind of shoes that they wear. You know what? As Christians, you have a special kind of shoes that you wear. And these shoes that you wear bring the good news. This is from Isaiah chapter 52, verse number 7. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. The good news of peace and salvation. The news that the God of Israel reigns. Having on your good news shoes not only does it protect your feet but it keeps you from walking around in the muck, in the mire. It keeps you out of the, the mud. When your mind When you are mindful of every step that you take, because you know that every step that you take is your next opportunity to proclaim Jesus Christ with the good news until he comes, your feet are a weapon in this spiritual battle. And I bet, I bet that if you recognized how important your feet are and your shoes are, I bet that would give you pause as to where your feet take you. Make sense? Like, is this a place that my feet should be taking me? We're getting armored up. We're doing pretty good. But I want you to see the next layer of protection. I'm in Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 16. Paul writes this, In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil in the original language this shield would have been one of those full body shields it's like this tall and and it's probably a heavy piece because it goes all the way down to the ground and it's one of those that you can kind of hide behind for from arrows that were would come from all kinds of different directions now i'm not talking about one of those round captain america shields not one of those Uh -uh, that's way too small this is like a full body shield that we're looking at now because because We know that Satan is going to be throwing darts at us. He's going to be throwing his weapons at us from everywhere. He's definitely going to throw out confusion. He's definitely going to throw out doubt, insecurity. He's going to tell you that there's people at the church who don't like you. He's going to tell you that people are laughing at you. He's going to tell you that, that because of the way that everyone else is, is, is thinking about you, he's going to plant that seed that you need to be really insecure. He's going to prey on your insecurities. This is the shield of faith. This is a protection shield. And you say, okay, pastor, talk to me about faith. Like, I don't get it. Hebrews 11, verse number 1, reads like this, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. You say, pastor, I can't see my sword. I can't see my spiritual shield. I can't. I can't see my shoes. I I don't see these shoes that I'm supposed to be wearing to battle. I don't see my, my breastplate. I don't see that. I don't see my body armor. But then in the same breath, you'll turn around and you'll say, Pastor, but I can see the effects of these arrows that the devil's throwing at me. I can see those. I can see insecurity. Pastor, I don't think I'm good enough. I can see doubt, I can feel that. See, this is where faith comes in. This is where that shield of faith is so important. Because that faith, showing things that you cannot see, it shows you the reality of truth, it shows you the reality of hope, and it shows you the reality that you are not alone. But if you're still saying, Pastor, I can't see it, I would ask you this question. How deep is your faith? How tall is that shield? Are we carrying our shield? That shield of faith is so important. You know what happens when we don't have enough faith for the situation that we're in? We start withdrawing. We start to back into our own little cocoon because it's safe. We we don't engage in spiritual warfare because we're told that we can't. We're told that we're not good enough. How much are you engaging in spiritual warfare? How much are you being vulnerable in your spiritual walk? How much are you letting other people show you that, that you're unprepared and that, and that we can all come alongside each other together to strengthen these weapons. You're not alone. But if we go out alone into this spiritual battle, we're going to get trampled on. When you show up to a spiritual battle in your bathing suit, game over. We have to have on the right armor, you know what happens if we don't engage in the spiritual warfare that's going on around us? We lose. When we don't engage, we lose. Do you think that your enemy is just going to stay home because you're timid? You think your enemy is just going to stay home because you don't feel that you're qualified? that you don't feel ready, that you don't have enough Scripture memorized? No! Those are his tactics, is to prey on those insecurities of ours. That's his weapons. He's going to bring anger. He's going to bring division into the church. He's He's going to tear things apart because that's what he does. And he will find people inside the church Who are out there by themselves, and he will pick you off like the gazelle in the back of the pack. Because you're easy to pick off. We need our armor on. If you don't show up to the spiritual battle, you have already lost. I'm in Ephesians 6, verse number 17. Paul writes this, Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Paul's using some of the same words like helmet and salvation that Isaiah used in chapter 59. This is up on the screen behind me. Isaiah writes this, He put on righteousness as his body armor and placed the helmet of salvation on his head. You could only, listen to this, You can only put on the helmet of salvation if you are saved, if you are a child of God. If you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you can put on that helmet of salvation that is yours. You can't put it on if you are not saved. Again, there are all kinds of different helmets out there. There really are. Astronauts have a super cool helmet. Football players have a helmet, hockey players have a helmet, welders have a helmet, the Air Force has a helmet. If you are a Christian in a spiritual battle with a scuba diver's helmet on, you're going to get destroyed in round one. You have to have on this helmet of salvation. And you think about it. If we have not given our lives to Christ, what are we doing trying to fight a spiritual battle on a team that we don't belong to? have to have on this armor. You have to be saved by the grace of God to have any chance. Finally, verse 17 says this, to take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. We've already talked about truth, and the Word of God being truth. And that truth is your most effective weapon. Do you know what happens When you don't know what you are doing with your weapons, you can go and take some lessons. No, this is important. You know, you've seen movies that have maybe a sword fight scene. You've got actors who don't want to get hurt. What do they do? They start training on how to use this weapon in this scene, right? Well, that's what we do with our sword of truth When it comes to our Bible studies, when it comes to being here in church, when it comes to being in our word every day, when it comes to spending time with Christ in prayer, that's what happens is we are training weapons. And we have on, you start slicing through the enemy's falsehoods and, and letting those falsehoods just lay out on the ground. And then, then you can turn around and you can look at the damage that the sword of truth has done. And you can laugh at the enemy and you can move forward and do it again. It's a very important tool. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, which is the truth. And when you have that, nothing can stand against you. But wouldn't we be fooling ourselves if we just woke up one random morning and we decided that we were just going to go and grab our Bible and put on some, uh, put on some rain boots and we're going to put on some coats, the most, you know, the most fluffy coat that we can, and we're going to go out in our fastest running shoes and we're going to go fight a spiritual battle. No, Christians, you have a uniform, and you must wear it to battle. Let me tell you what happens if we don't step up and fight this spiritual warfare. And this is the fourth and final point in your notes this morning. If we don't armor up and stand and fight against this enemy, people will die. It's our job. If we try and dodge the draft, people will die. If we try and sit on the sidelines, people will die. And this is a spiritual death that we're talking about. This is spending eternity in a lake of fire separated from God where there is, where where there's, there's crying and gnashing of teeth. If you don't go into this battle, people will die and some of the people who might die are people who you know and love it might be mom it might be dad it might be brothers sisters aunts uncles neighbors boyfriends girlfriends if you go to, if you do not go to war people die We have to fight this battle. Before I let you go this morning, and I let you go and start working on your armor, before you go and take your place on the front lines, I want you to see how this season finale unfolds. I want you to see the last five minutes of this episode in Ephesians that we've been watching. I want you to see the cliffhanger, okay? Come with me to Romans chapter 8. I'm in verse number 37. Paul writes this to the church in Rome. No... Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God That is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? Church, we know how the battle ends. But we've also got a role to play in this battle. I don't know where your battlefield is, it might be at home, it might be at work. It might actually even be in your own heart. But I'll tell you what, you've got weapons at your disposal. But I don't want you to think that just because you own a Bible or you have a Bible app that you're properly using the sword of the Spirit and the truth of Jesus Christ. Our battle is for our hearts. This Is what the enemy is after. This is where we fight. Is God's word here? Or is it just in a book? We need to put God's word here. Amen. Will you pray with me?